Welcome to SEO Conspiracy.com. And we keep on going with one of the masters of SEO, a true legend of SEO. He's too modest to uh, would admit that he's part of, uh, yeah, Bill Swarovski, ladies and gentlemen. You are a legend. How does that feel to, to be part of history? <laughs> I, I don't feel like I'm a legend. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just learning what I can and sharing what I can. You know what the secret is? And that's also something where we we agree on uh, without knowing <laughs> each other is a proper dealer will say never get high with your nut stash we help companies individual organization become famous on the internet yeah and if that gets to your head when you go to do a public talk in an event and you have other people who are asking for selfie I even, I'm an SEO who signs autographs. Like, come on, guys. Okay. And if that starts getting to your head, yeah. you're in danger because you are getting high with your own drugs. And you're right to not feel like a legend. But I'm sorry to say you are. <laughs> and today we are talking about the big, big topic because... Um, Previously, it was the huge uh, shakedown, Panda Penguin, the Google Zoo. And today is a decisive move. Google decided to go from strings to things. That was the quote of Amit Singhal. Can you explain to us what does that mean? Try to think of a, give a quick history lesson here. It might be worth knowing. So Google launched PageRank in 1998. In 1999, Sergey Brin had his chance to file a patent where he said, okay, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Here's five books. They're, they're, they, here's the titles, the authors, the publishers, so on. We're going to crawl the web. We're going to look for all the websites that list these five books. And once we find one, we're going to copy all the information about all the other books. And we're going to look at the relationships between the books, who their publishers were, when they were published, so on. So we're going to index part of the web. We're going to look for facts. We're going to call facts about the web and relationships between those facts. And we're going to index that. And it's not page rank, but it's a way of uh, gaining information about the web, about things we're interested in. We, we, we looked at that pattern the, the other day. And this is 1999, right? Mm. So, so it's not too much longer after PageRank happened. And it's not too, it's, it's a different approach than uh, following websites and indexing links. But it's looking at books as if they were nodes and the facts about those books as if there were edges between the nodes. And, and it was a way of uh, uh, indexing content in Google. At some point, 2005 or so, they started a project, they called it the Annotation Framework. And there's a, a search engineer named Andrew Hogue who now works uh, on search at Foursquare, I believe. 
and uh, he was in charge of the sanitation framework. And they were supposed to be writing patents and, and building stuff that was a lot like the knowledge graph, except it wasn't the knowledge graph. They were referring to it as a Brasbell fact repository. And the annotation framework is a way of uh, marking up knowledge between entities, uh, like, like uh, the knowledge graph does now. Uh, he was also responsible for the acquisition of MetalWeb, which is where Freebase came from, and what Google ended up basing the knowledge graph upon. And this way of, of uh, gaining information about facts on the web uh, is is very different approach than uh, collect in, collecting information about web pages that are indexed. It's it's a way of uh, uh, being able to answer questions that people might ask directly instead of saying, here's a bunch of web pages, look for it on those, you might find the answer. You say, okay, we can give the answer if the answer is this, uh, because we've looked at all the facts about those entities and we understand relationships about them. Uh, it's it's a different way of, of working the web. It's uh, so featured snippets that answer questions, answer boxes, so on. The idea is to provide knowledge. And about seven, eight years ago, Google changed their search division. They gave it a new name. They said, this is now the knowledge division. Mm. And it was, it was, knowledge is information about relationships between entities mm. or between entities and attributes of those entities or between entities and classification of those entities. The relationships are the knowledge. And that's what Google's indexing, knowledge. It's actually, uh, I was just thinking about it. I don't know why it came up <laughs> while you were talking. I was like, it really looks like uh, what Edward Snowden showed about how the NSA is doing things also, because uh, the the truth is, it's not about profiling you. It's about who are you in relation with. That's what the NSA is is looking at. <laughs> so Google came out with a patent last year where they said we're no longer going to uh, search for information about quotes in knowledge bases. We're not going to look on Wikipedia. We're going to analyze all the video in YouTube, and we're going to identify who said those things you're looking for a quote about by understanding what's in the audio. And this way we can show you as a search result videos of people seeing those things because that's probably what you're looking for when you're looking for a quote. Can we recommend uh, people reading this first article on uh, GoFish Digital? So to explain the difference is what you publish on GoFish Digital is a little bit an easier read and it's less uh, patenty. <laughs> well, these, these still tend to be complex, complicated. They're just a slightly different approach. Mm. So this one right here, stop, stop, go back. See the, the center uh, circle is Bryce Harper mm -hmm. and there are lines from each of those. Bryce Harper to the right, toward upwards is a person. person. Mm -hmm. So it's a, is a sort of a association score. That's a confidence score. It's, it's most likely that that's true, that he is a person. So if we look down under, underneath is a career home run total of 60 home runs. That's, mm. 
that's uh, a fact about Bryce Harper. It's an attribute. It's, it's uh, again, they're calculating a quality score, how, how likely it is that that's correct. And they're been doing that by understanding how reliable and how popular the websites that contain that information are. And they're trying to assess some type of accuracy, uh, looking, looking at those facts. Now, they're talking about entity extra extraction because they seem to have gotten tired of relying upon places like Wikipedia for facts about things. And they said, okay, we can crawl news articles and other websites and identify entities and look at these relationships, sort of like a subject verb object type thing, and give them scores, confidence scores, and how likely it is they're true. And this is how we're going to collect information that we're going to update the knowledge graph with. And uh, this is a direction they're likely taking because it doesn't rely upon a human edited source of knowledge like Wikipedia, which maybe has some human biases. Uh, so if they can get lots of sources from lots of different places, like a Wall Street Journal, a New York Times, a Daily Mail, some other sites that contain information like that, and extract that information, they can update these knowledge graphs quickly. And mm -hmm. they're using knowledge graphs to do question answering. Uh, they can possibly do a lot more with them when, when they when start comparing information. We have uh, Google Local Search, was, which was part of that annotation framework I was talking about, where they, they said, okay, we're going to treat businesses as local entities, and we can collect facts about those businesses' attributes, what time they're open, where they're located, what their address is, what their phone number is. Uh, so at some point, Google may be able to do searches like uh, uh, someone searches for an antique shop near a Chinese restaurant because they want to go shopping for antiques and they want to eat lunch and, and they want two places close to each other. So this idea of being able to find two businesses that are near each other is appealing. I'd like to see that come out. Uh, and it's something that Google might be able to do with local search in the future. But if we track back to really the beginning, the beginning, the beginning. Yeah. Amit Singhal was the um, student of uh, Professor Salton, the Salton Cosinus. I didn't know he's a uh, student of Salton. He was, he was. And, and if you look at this, it's still kind of the same spirit, right? Yeah. It's still about... Uh, and it's alive, <laughs> like like Bill Solsky is associated with Patton <laughs> because, uh, and that wasn't the case before, uh, and maybe you're also becoming associated with more things as uh, maybe you will start doing, uh, I don't know, if you go... Uh, fishing <laughs> because there's already some sea and fish uh, around you but then if you make a special if you open a, a blog about fishing and you start building your influence about fishing that that will uh, definitely uh, collide so that's what's fascinating that's they started with a um, 
Salton Cosinus and so on. They were crawling the pages and they were finding association. Okay, we have so many documents that have Abraham and Lincoln uh, next to one another. So Abraham and Lincoln must have something to do with one another. So that so was the beginning. Barack Obama is mentioned on a lot of pages with uh, Michelle Obama. He's mentioned on a lot of pages with Hillary Clinton. Mm. You ask Google mm. who Barack Obama married to, and it'll tell you Hillary. I mean, it'll tell you Michelle Obama, even though she he appears on pages uh, where both women show up. Mm. It's usually the the relationship is shown that he's married to Michelle, and and they have confidence scores. They they say this mm. is most likely correct. So that was that was your way, and then they bought MetaWeb, Freebase, and yeah. basically they put uh, like a barcode. No, how is it in English? The the you know the, on, on the product, like those little lines. That uh, is that a code barcode or how do you call it's it? A, it's a barcode. Barcode, so, yeah. So, so basically, that's what they did. They they put a barcode on <laughs> on everything. I mean, they bought that that database with uh, all those so barcodes. Company GS1 invented barcodes about 40 years ago. They use they use this type of information now. They've developed schema themselves. Oh really? Because, I didn't know that. <laughs> because yeah. that, that's my simplification for people to understand what does that mean, entity and how do you they, they have one for e-commerce. It's mm -hmm. they've got a wizard for it, which is really nice. It's complicated, but it's worth using if you join e-commerce. Oh definitely, I'll check it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, but to uh, to go back to these strings to things, so it was yeah. about relationship and now things, yeah. But even if you can put a ID number on uh, Jaguar, yeah, it still doesn't help because you need context. Okay, so a dog in French is chien. Chien, yeah. Okay. So dog and chien are the same entity. Oh, are they? I didn't know that. They're, they're different words, right? Mm -hmm. they, they're different strings of text. Okay. But same entity. Okay. So if I search for a dog on a French website, I want to I I see chien. Yeah, okay, okay. I didn't know the, the language bar yet. <laughs> <What's that>? yeah, so, <laughs> so the meaning is the same, even mm. though language is different. So that's, that's interesting. Part of the reason why you're you're going for a string uh, things not strings approach mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it overcomes uh, it becomes language agnostic. That's very interesting. Hmm. And and um, uh, we will talk next time about rank brain machine learning the the situation now, but most definitely um, without. All this upgrading computer powers and then SSD and all that. Uh, that do you think the the technology was really a big factor in in, in that move? And they say, okay, now we can do it because we have all this computer power, or, or was it uh, totally independent? So PageRank was named after Larry Page. It wasn't named after its ability to rank pages. <laughs> True. <laughs> so Page had his uh, patent in 1998, and Bren had his patent in 1999, and he was and Bren was uh, indexing entities. He was indexing things. 
I, I think to some small degree, it's Bryn's turn. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it may be as simple as that, but uh, the idea of moving from search to knowledge makes sense. I mean, they, they, in 2012, when they talked about the knowledge graph, they talked about indexing real-world objects. And I think that's a direction search engines need to go. It can't just be about language. It can't just be about those strings of words, what uh, people are called. Uh, you have people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's a Terminator, kindergarten cop. Uh, so, okay, so this one, ranked entities in search. Uh, so, so what you're saying is, this this new I mean fairly okay, new so pattern because it's uh, hold on yeah 2017 this is directly inspired by the the brain pattern of uh, 99 yeah entity extraction one mm -hmm. uh, it's related to this even closer really that's interesting <laughs> so if if I do a search for Best science fiction novels of nineteen or twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Google will return a lot of search results. They talk about what the best science fiction novels are, and it'll create a knowledge graph from those results. It'll extract entities from those pages and build them into a knowledge graph and provide a list of entities that fulfill that best uh, books of 2020, best science fiction books of 2020. Uh, so it's it's doing uh, entity extraction. It's doing uh, what the relationships are, how what the confidence levels are, how likely those books are science fiction books, uh, who the authors are, where they're published, how popular those books are. Uh, and it's ranking the books on the basis of all that attribute information about the entities it's extracted from the many knowledge graph it's created to answer that query. So you have lots of people potentially asking queries, asking Google uh, facts, and it and Google creating uh, these many knowledge graphs, which it can then compile all together to build into, roll into the knowledge graph we know from Google. The whole one, the big one, the universal knowledge But Bill, yeah, many people come up to me and say, "Google is so smart now." <laughs> For the record, <laughs> Google still doesn't understand what it reads like a human does. Especially when it comes to nuance, when granular granularity, and, and so on. Okay, so 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 AJ Cole uh, writes a blog he calls "Blind Five Year Old," and it's a metaphor uh, based on what he thinks of Google's um, capabilities of understanding what it reads. It's not very good at. It. <laughs> when, 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 when people uh, say, should XML sitemaps be uh, uh, optimized for user experience, 
and they say, yeah, and the users are Microsoft, Bing, and Google. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so those are your users. They're not people. You're not making XML sitemaps accessible for people. Mm -hmm. uh, so XML sitemaps are machine readable. Their purpose is to provide information for a machine. You're, ideally, you're going to provide URLs that return 200 status codes. Okay. Uh, that's what they want to see. And Google doesn't know what is a first name, an address, five stars, three stars. What does that mean? It's learning. <laughs> and, but without the structuration of the data, um, and there's a flaw there, I believe, because how do you trust the, the source? Well, that's, that's why Google's learning to create confidence scores, association scores between entities, between entities and attributes. Mm. Because, you know, uh, there was a survey last year that uh, I think Grant Fishkin did where he uh, asked if, if Google ranked pages on how accurate they were. And a large number of uh, SEOs said yes. And I responded, I said, no, Google has no idea how accurate the pages are. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, let's ask Danny Sullivan. And he came back and said, no, we have no way of knowing that. Mm. So when Google can do things like uh, determine uh, confidence scores for relationships between entities, those confidence scores, they're deciding whether or not something's correct or inaccurate or not. Mm. So when they decide that Barack Obama is married to Michelle Obama at a certain level of confidence, they're determining accuracy. And they're determining accuracy by analyzing the sources of the, that factual data, how popular the sites are, how right, how often right they are, uh, some other things, how close uh, the factual information appears together. Does Michelle Obama and Barack Obama appear frequently on many of the same pages of websites? If they do, it's probably more true than not. And we won't go down that rabbit hole, but there's also IP, cookie, all that good stuff that helps. <laughs> it's, it's being able to understand how likely you know, based on probabilities, how likely it is that something's true or not. Yeah. If Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are on the same IP, yeah, <laughs> maybe a good <laughs> hint. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, that's another discussion for another day, <laughs> the whole uh, profiling part of, of Google. Uh, if we stay on this entity knowledge graph, um, the, the fact that it's able to even auto self-learn and, and we will talk about it next time with the, the machine learning, deep learning, AI. I have trouble saying that, <laughs> artificial intelligence because uh, that's solely just marketing. Do you um, think that it was the right move? even with what we will talk about next time. I'm doing a lot of spoiler for you guys to watch next, next episode. <laughs> but, but 
knowing uh, what you know today? Or was it inevitable? Because it's not only Google. They're all doing the same thing, all the search engines. It's, uh, it's inevitable. Mm. It, it's because they're providing what their audience wants. And their audience wants answers to questions. Mm -mm. But the, the loss of granularity, the loss of finesse, and we we'll always take that example on how to tie a bow tie. That's easy. But right. now... so, so another one they came out with was they said some queries are entity answering queries. Mm. So, so if you ask a question like, what is the hotel that's shaped like the sail of a sailboat? Okay, there's a, a hotel in the Middle East that looks like a sail from a sailboat. And that's the answer. They want a specific answer, a specific mm. place. But some queries are like, what are the best restaurants in New York City? And for a query like that, they want a list of links to restaurants. True. So searchers want certain things. And sometimes they want answers. Sometimes they want to look stuff up and to actually do more searching. Uh, but they want when they want an advice. Yeah. Maybe profiling is good. Maybe tracking is good because if you have this added information, yeah. um, then the the search engine will be able to target you a lot better than yeah. if it doesn't know. Uh, Again, if you if you are a wildlife photographer and you type jaguar, that will not be the same answer um, than if you oh, are a car enthusiast. Might, it might be if you need a new car. Exactly. <laughs> or if you are a wildlife photographer who needs a new car <laughs> and you live in England, <laughs> that might complicate things a little bit. <laughs> but the, the debate is always about this um, customization and profiling and and you do see that well we're see we are going down this rabbit hole <laughs> a little bit but but uh, it's a big debate today privacy not privacy uh, and I remember a quote by Larry Page who said that at one point they were even better at uh, serving relevant ads than. Uh, returning um, relevant organic uh, results. They were way, way more advanced uh, in the ads part. I, I can't recall what year it was. He, he was still involved in the, uh, a lot in the company, so that's that's already a few years. But um, so, so I gave you an example of Google creating knowledge graphs for each query. So another thing they're potentially doing is creating user-specific knowledge graphs, or knowledge graphs that are relevant for each person. I call that the person yeah. rank. <laughs> so, so if I want information about playing a certain song, and I play the electric guitar, I do a search for the song, Google might show me links to scores of that song for in guitar tablatures, right? Mm -hmm. It might personalize those results for me and provide an autograph based upon things they know I'm interested in or have experience with. We spoke about it before, I remember. But <laughs> do you remember 
wheel because that was during the the long podcast the the, the wonder wheel or the magic wheel yeah it was right. the wonder wheel right and that was way like that that was 2008 or something like that so that was way before that switch right but already you could see the relationship you, they they took that away very quickly i think they would give us a lot they would give us too much with that tool i think they weren't quite ready to support it <laughs> Uh, because some of the results I saw with that tool were blowing my mind, like really. Uh, how can they understand that relationship back then? Like, without the profiling part? Um, no, they were not. It was not possible. Yeah. Uh, so that was over 10 years ago with all those mad scientists they have on board, all the, the only thing stopping them in my opinion, is the fact that most of the stuff, stuff is not scalable to the level of Google. Because yeah. it's one thing to have a patent and another thing to use the patent in the lab and another thing to develop it, to put it out in the wild at, at Google's level. Well, that's why the Google got rid of the Google directory. And it's why they're moving away from Wikipedia as a source for the knowledge graph. Mm, true. Because they want, they want something that's globally scalable. Exactly. They don't rely upon uh, something that's manually edited. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the limit of uh, ODP or the Google directory yeah. and, and Wikipedia is that the human factor. Um, uh, that's very true. But what's funny is that to validate the machine learning, yeah. They need humans. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. You, you have to train the machine and you have to, to validate if the machine is right or not. But then the good thing is that it maybe is more scalable than, than having Wikipedia <laughs> or DP because you just need a low-level type of validation and then you can move on. You need the training data, then you need testing data, and then you, uh, once you, you're satisfied with it passing your tests, you uh, release it on unsupervised data that, that uh, it does its work on. Uh, I don't think that many people know that <clears throat> unless you, you, you study the, the, the topical page rank, um, but ODP or the Google directory was the base of to understand who is in relation to what and why. They they, they started out with the, the sixteen categories and dig deeper, and then uh, I even think that the yeah no I not think I know that the the Majestic's uh, topical trust flow is also exactly based on that. So from that little directory, I mean little <laughs> from that directory. A lot happened, but it's very interesting that uh, it all started out with a directory <laughs> <laughs> and, and an encyclopedia, uh, which is um, pretty magical if you think about it, because both were pure creation of, of the Internet, pure uh, great ideas of the Internet. And, and then the machine took over and learned from that and... The rest is history. <laughs> I look at the, the categories for images in image search at Google. 
There, there are full ontologies of semantically related topics. Mm-hmm. You search for a specific person or place and they break them down into a lot of categories. And they're very good at that. They don't need uh, human built edited directories to do that anymore. Before we finish this episode and uh, uh, next we'll move on to the machine learning part. Now that you bring up images, yeah. when we think about SEO, it's always text. Uh, I read a recent study that compared the technology of uh, image uh, analysis and Google Vision came up first, like way first and Amazon. And and the last one was IBM, what's on? But um, voice seems to be a problem. Um, Images, they seem to be pretty good. Video, I don't know. Because you have only four formats. You have text image, audio, and video, and I mean images. Text, they're good. Images, we see see a lot of progress, fast. Uh, It's actually surprising me. Uh, Did you think they were going to move that fast on images and being able to to, uh, understand the images? (laughs) I mean, analyze, sorry, (laughs) not understand, analyze. Yeah, you also were surprised by the speed at, at how they they were they improved um, image uh, recognition, uh, and that's probably all due again to computer power because they have so much <laughs> so much leverage on, on on being able to crush data. Uh, but what about voice? There was a big hype a couple of years ago when that. Whole uh, Alexa and Google Assistant. I, I think that that was overdone. I think a lot of voice at this point is uh, speech to text and searches on the text. Hmm. Yeah. There are some unique features of speech, and they're trying to understand those. Uh, uh, accents aren't noise. Accents can be used to personalize search results. Yeah. And the, the nuance, the way you might use some words uh, in a different uh, intent. <laughs> a word might sound negative, but it might be used in a friendly way. So voice seems to be a big challenge. Um, I really thought that because of the hype, <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was up there. But now, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's pretty basic, it, huh? It, some of the same problems exist in text that exist in voice. I I say football, and I mean a certain sport, uh, and I mean something very different than somebody from the UK. Wait, 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 Bill! Stop, 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 stop! Yeah. Hold the press! Hold the press! Football is ours, okay, in Europe. <laughs> well, I learned that American football was named after the size of the ball, which is one foot. <laughs> Come on, let's be serious. You, you name a sport after the size of the ball? No, soccer is football. Find out another name. I don't care. <laughs> so, so football in Australia is something very different again. True, also, yeah. It's more like rugby. 
So it depends on where you're searching yeah. from, rather than what language you're searching in, or whether you're using text or speech. Mm -mm. Exactly. Very true. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm able to um, to break Google sometimes and to access like the pre treat pre uh, machine learning treatment thing because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm in a place that doesn't exist for Google. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Christine made uh, screenshots pre Rank Brain and after Rank Brain from with the word uh, sweets. Which is, yeah. in England is candy, candy, and in uh, in the US, um, well, sweet is just sweet, right? And candy yeah. is candy, and that was very interesting. How you saw before how Google was just throwing everything at everyone, and then sort it out. Okay, UK they want candy, and uh, in the US they want uh, sweet things and maybe a little bit of candy. Yeah. So now. How difficult is it for Google to... You said that it doesn't make a difference, dog and chien. Okay, fine. But still, with all these different languages, all these different variation of languages, Spanish alone, I think 23 countries have Spanish as an official language, and then Mexican Spanish has nothing to do with Spanish Spanish, even the words. and How... Complicated is it? Can you give give us a sense of of? Uh, I know French uh, gave them a lot of trouble because of the accents. <laughs> that was a pain. Is it true that Google.com and English is is always way in advance compared to the other languages? Don't know that. Yeah. Um, because the, the problem I'm having is when, when people say that yeah, uh, Google Venezuela is easier to, to rank on than, than Google.com. Yeah, of course it's easier. I mean, it's <laughs> less competition. And it feels like Google adapts the filters when they see like the, the SEO coming in the market as the, the aggressivity of... of, of uh, of the techniques and they, they're just um, I've seen it almost real time with, with some niche where, where it was low key and then we all come in and then suddenly it, makes, it becomes extremely hard to, to rank but you, it's a, definitely a mystery how they can treat so many languages and being able to uh, to scale it so, so fast so when you see an update it's spread out all over the world uh, regardless of the languages and so on pretty impressive huh? it is so before we uh, we close down this um, so it was inevitable that they moved from strings to things yeah. but they couldn't reset the whole thing they, they kind of had to build upon... Uh, it's an old technology, Google, from the 90s. Uh, you can't just <laughs> press reset. And and it feels like they are, that's what they are trying to do for the mobile index. They're trying to start uh, all fresh. Uh, and, and maybe it's also why it's delayed, because uh, they found out that, well, starting over is kind of difficult. 
the web is so big and is growing so fast that you, uh, the the reset reset button and starting over is is almost impossible today. You you will never be able to catch up. You want to make things that already exist on the web still findable, hmm. even though they're not updating. Yeah, but ninety percent of the web is crap. <laughs> So you introduce quality scores. Yeah, but they they ninety uh, percent is uh, is uh, so, so is so much wasted resources, <laughs> and some some people right now are thinking, okay, why not start over, <laughs> and and start from a fresh database where we need fifty thousand queries. That's pretty much what represents like eighty percent of the needs for the regular folks, and um, this web is so, like a. So, do we get rid of all the novels that were written before nineteen fifty? No, 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 not at all. Um, it, it's the 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 web still has a place, and of course, for power users, and if you want to dig deep, but for the. Um, so you know those plays that Shakespeare wrote. He, he wrote those 500 years ago. They're still some of the most uh, performed plays in the world. Yes, but Bill, the reality is, I don't know about yeah. the US, but in France, four websites equals half of the bandwidth. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Netflix, Facebook, Google, and I forgot the fourth. <laughs> half of the bandwidth. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's wonderful to have access to all this knowledge, but so very few <laughs> use it. <laughs> That's a shame. Everybody wants the same thing. Women uh, shoes on sale. <laughs> okay, to end up on a positive note. Okay, no, but go ahead. <laughs> you were thinking. <laughs> I was thinking uh, the long tail. Yeah. Prove that that people will buy books from what seems to be an endless warehouse that has every type of book, and if they only buy ten or twenty of those books per year, Amazon's still going to continue to make lots of money because there is an interest in such a wide variety. My curveball will be <laughs> Goodreads. Goodreads was, was born when Amazon was not the tsunami that it is now. It was just a river. And it's still uh, going strong today because Goodreads, unlike Amazon, is yeah. when they don't sell books, they talk about books or they read books. Yeah. So those are the people who will find uh, the first edition of a book from uh, a Serbian author from the 18th uh, century. And I'm very happy that there is a place for that. Um, but I'm a little disappointed in the rest of humanity because it's so so streamlined, it's so concentrated on, on, on very few things. And, uh, and um, I wouldn't use the word waste, but uh, I feel like there's a, 
uh, yeah, people need to open up a little bit and get curious. There's a value in having search engines that are capable of finding stuff that isn't searched for much. Yeah. What, what's remarkable with Google is that they started with that, organizing the world's information and make it, it accessible to everyone as, yeah. uh, access, as fast as possible. And they, they still, they still uh, stick to that. So that's um, that comes with a price, and definitely privacy uh, is part of that price. But to give Google credit, what they build is tremendous. I mean, so difficult, uh, so so amazing. And then uh, let's end on that positive note because if we want to give credit to Google for something, is they achieve what is impossible and think that. I mean, come on, Google Street View. The machine learning stuff is mm. remarkable. So, yeah, but, but, but even like <laughs> making cars go all over the world, take pictures of every street and everything. The first time I know you had the same feeling, the first time you connected to Google Earth, wasn't it yeah. like, wow, this is amazing? <laughs> well, the Street View cars are Google bots. On wheels. Yeah, but that's a yeah. crazy idea to say we will we will take pictures of the entire world. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty nuts. So we can critique Google all we want, and they are not perfect for sure, but they, yeah. they most definitely uh, did something that um, changed humanity forever uh, and um, being able to make all this information available to us uh, you can you can find anything well now the youngsters are like you can find anything on youtube but <laughs> that, that's different <laughs> we still like reading okay mr bill all right let's close this one and uh, the next time yes we will go even more into robots, <laughs> because uh, is machine is Rank Brain really the boss at Google? That's the question. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Oh, thank you. <laughs>